Hello, I'm Blythe. Hi, I'm Alham. We are two dumb bitches. And this is Unspoken. So, who are you apologizing to this week? I'm gonna pull you, and I'm gonna say I'm apologizing to myself. I'm in too deep with BTS now. Oh no. It, I, I can't stop watching the videos. It started as, oh, like, I love the way they dance, and so I'll watch all their music videos and live performances, and wow, aren't they great. And then, of course, YouTube's, YouTube's suggestive algorithm has, like, ruined so many lives, I bet. Because, Agreed. Yeah. So, you know, next thing you know, like, this was maybe a couple weeks ago, like, three, four weeks ago, there's one that's like, oh, like, funny moments or cute, you know, like, the vlogs and that mm-hmm. or whatever. And I clicked on And now I'm in... I, I'm, I'm in too deep now. Like, I'm addicted. I am too obsessed. Like, I can't stop watching the videos of them. And because there's so many videos of them, it's like, it's never ending. And Angela, our designer, recently introduced me to Live, oh, which no. is like, I don't this even know thing that, that, that is. they, this app that they will do live streams on and that they post different blogs and that and shows on where they play games and things like that. And now I'm like, fuck. <laughs> so I would like to apologize to myself for ever having clicked on a BTS video <laughs> and it's too late now I'm in the black hole yeah and this will just be my life for the foreseeable future it's really bad timing too like this is almost the end of the semester and yeah I don't, yeah, I don't know what to say I I'm mean, not I know, a f- I know what my Christmas break is gonna look like right that's good something <laughs> yeah. to look forward to yeah exactly so Blythe I'm sorry but I, I couldn't resist anyway, anyway what are you apologizing to slash Okay, so on my walks to the bus stop every day and on my way home, I've noticed for the last like week or so, there's always been this like stray black kitty that I keep seeing. And now I feel so bad with the weather being like all crappy that I like, I don't know where this cat is. I think I have an idea of where it lives, but like, I want to apologize to the cat because I want to help it out. I feel like it's really cold. It's probably a stray. <laughs> and I'm really sad that I don't have just like a pack of kibbles and bits like on the ready whenever I see this cat. Cause I've seen it like almost five times in like a seven day time frame. I haven't seen it in the last couple of days. So Maybe now I'm it sad. Died. No, you please don't say that. Please don't say that. Cause now I'm gonna be even more sad. Cause that cat was so cute. It was a little black kitty. I did not see no collar. So I really was, I really thought it was like a stray. And I feel like at one point it wanted me to follow it because it was like walking across the driveway and it like stopped and it like kept looking back at me. And I was like, oh my God. And then I had to catch my bus, so I had to go. And I was really sad. So I'm gonna say sorry to that cat. I really, I really like it. I don't even know it, but I feel like we'd be really good friends. And now I don't know if I'm ever gonna see it again. So wow. I'm really sad That's now. Deep feels right I know. There. So the episode that we have today, Chinese, 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 is going to be me having a conversation with Josie Gao, our news editor, who's also a Chinese-Taiwanese student and an international student named Rosie. And it's just going to be generally about the experiences of Chinese students at U of T, the differences between domestic and international student experiences, etc., etc. 
So needless to say, our friend Elhem shall not be really participating too much. So if Elhem, if you like Elhem's voice more than mine, I'm sorry, but you're stuck with my nasty ass lisp for now. <laughs> and yeah, goodbye Elhem. Goodbye. We are all Chinese students at U of T. And yet we're somehow different people. Whoa, what? Hi, my name is Josie Gao, K-A-O, which means that I am Taiwanese because I don't spell my name with a G like mainland Chinese people do. So my Chinese background is that I was born in Vancouver, BC, West Coast, West Coast, to Asian parents, Asian immigrants, so first generation immigrants. I'm still confused what first generation means. I'm not sure if I'm first gen or if they're first gen, but anyway, I was born in Canada to Asian immigrants, and then I moved to Toronto for school. I think compared to some of my peers in Vancouver, I counted as very middle of the road because I can still speak Chinese pretty fluently, but I can't read or write it. And like, I watched some Chinese shows and like pop culture growing up, but not a lot. I found like, I consider myself pretty, pretty whitewashed. Yeah, growing up, I didn't watch too many like Chinese shows, movies, like, I can't read or write Chinese at all, so I don't read any books. So, not too much exposure to Asian culture at all. And honestly, I think we'll get more into this later, but, like, I had no desire to connect with Asian culture, like, whatsoever. I just considered myself, like, Canadian, which obviously is very complicated. But back then, when I was a kid, Canadian just meant American, Western European, basically. My name is Rosie, Rosie Liu. My last name is L-I-U, so obviously very mainland Chinese. I grew up in China in a city called Xi'an. I, I'll make that more Chinese. <laughs> Xi'an. Um, and that province is Shanxi. Yeah, so I grew up there and I came to Canada when I was 18. So that's 2013. How Chinese I am. I am 100% Chinese. <laughs> I was very, very fresh off the boat. In 2013, I think when I first came here, I was my English was considered good, like fluent, but... I had very heavy accent. People would still say that, oh, your English is pretty good, but I still felt like I had a recording of myself. I was doing this valed valedictorian thing, and I thought I was doing really good, and I thought, oh, my English is so good. And then <laughs> eventually, I think four years after I, I was listening to the recording, I was like, no, no <laughs> that was really bad. Growing up, I was exposed to Western culture because my, my mom traveled a lot for her travel and business. So she would always come back and she'd be like, oh, this country is great. You have to look, you have to go and you have to check it out. Um, and then in grade 12, when I was preparing for the college entrance exam, there was, was this UTSC, so UT Scarborough, they had this Green Path program. And basically, I just have to take one test, and then if I pass that test, I can come here. So I didn't have to take college entrance exam. I didn't have to take ELTS, which is the English test. And I was like, why not just try? Because I was preparing for the, the, the one exam. And then I got in. I had like a one month or two months long debate with my mom whether I should come here or not. Eventually, I won, obviously. So I came here, and... There goes my undergrad. I'm doing my master's. So I did undergrad and master's both in pharmacology. Nice. I'm Blythe. Hello. I was born in China in the 
please, Chinese students, forgive my pronunciation, the Hunan province in a small village named Yiyang. I was adopted when I was 10 months old by a single white mother. And then I was raised in Ontario, really close to Toronto in the GTA, in primarily white neighborhoods and schools. And then I came here for university, which was pretty technically still pretty close to where I grew up anyway. So I'm, I guess you could say like I'm the whitest of the three of us. Yeah, I don't know. My mom tried to get me into like different Chinese sort of traditions or cultures or whatever when I was growing up, which is nice. So she would read me like Chinese folk tales or whatever, or I tried like she tried to get me to learn Mandarin, but it's still not like I'm not like oh my god I have to go to China and connect or with my heritage or whatever. So yeah. Okay, so because I grew up in Vancouver, I grew up in East Van, which is. Like, it, we joke that it's basically the China of Canada because I grew up just surrounded by... Basically, my elementary school and high school both were, like, 90%. That's probably a bit high. Maybe, like, 80% Asian. Um, and a large portion of that was East Asian. So I grew up not really knowing what racism was because I was always the majority. Obviously, like, now looking back, I can see what that was. But, yeah, so... I didn't really feel the need to connect Asian culture because I was surrounded by Asians anyway. Yeah. I felt like I was in China. I was in a totally different situation where, like, there were mainly white people around me. And, yeah, like, there were racist kids and that. And usually, for some reason, like, East Asian people were, like, the, the smallest minority in the schools that I went to. Like, smaller than black people or brown people or whatever. And... But most of the time, like, I actually, like, I kind of liked the fact that I was sort of unique. If in high school and that, there wasn't really a lot of racism because at that point, for the most part, like, people were just thrown out of being assholes or, like, totally, like, racist assholes anyway. When I was younger, it used to bother me, but I guess, the, like, the race aspect of it still never really kicked in. Like, I never really thought, oh, this is because I'm surrounded by a bunch of white kids. And, like, when I would go and visit, like, north york or something where my grandparents live when i was younger anyway i used to get spooked by all the east asian people that were there i was like there are so many of them like what happened i thought i was like the only one <laughs> so it was kind of funny because it was like totally different experience but yeah so u of t obviously very different than at least what i grew up with and that east asians are the largest racial group here and I think Chinese, out of the international students anyway, because those are the ones that they keep tabs on, like the numbers, are the largest group among those East Asians. So what were your impressions when you first got to U of T? How different was it and like from what you had kind of grown up with? When I first got here, it was for Green Path program. So the pro how the program works is that you take three months of language but it's not like learning how to speak English. It's learning how to effectively take notes, how to listen to lecture. Um, so that was three months. And I, I was among like 200 Chinese students who were also like me from China. So I didn't feel very, like the feeling of being abroad didn't kick in, but something did kick in. It was completely a different environmental. It's a, it's an environmental change. So the sky was I don't know, clear, air was better, and there was less people for sure, and I didn't have good food. But when I, when I started first year in September, I realized that 
there are a lot of Chinese students in U of T. And when I transferred to St. George, I thought it was going to be different because Scarborough is, you know, a lot of Chinese people. But then when I came to St. George, it was still a lot of Chinese people. And I, as a Chinese, I normally would connect with Chinese people more. Um, and I gradually went from only talking to international students to CBC, Canadian-born Chinese, to other East Asians, and then eventually to other races. And I think I'm kind of like in between all these groups. So it didn't feel like U of T is particularly very Asian to me eventually. Mm -hmm. But at first, yes, because mm -hmm. I was among people like all Chinese people. When I first came to Toronto, I had, I don't know, I had maybe even more of a, what do you call it, culture shock? It wasn't a culture shock. I'm still in the same country. And Vancouver and Toronto are pretty similar. But when I first came here, it was just so white that I I was like, is this what the rest of Canada is like? Because growing up, I was literally surrounded by like all Asian people, much like you were in China, really. Yeah, but yeah. Um, for me, it was like, like very whitewashed Asian people. So here, I come to Toronto, and like, it was just so white. Like, when, when I first got here, I was very taken aback, because it's not like people were just, it's not like people were different, really, because we're all Canadian, and we have more in common than, like, than not. Um, but it was just strange to see that this is, I guess, a more accurate portrayal of Canada, as opposed to my tiny community that's very, very Asian. Mm-hmm. I was kind of different, like Rosie saying that it was like really Chinese at first seeming to her and then it kind of changed over time. Mm -hmm. You're saying that it like it seemed really white to you in comparison to what you've grown up with. Mm -hmm. I feel like for me, it was like you said, like very Chinese, but except minus the at first part, like it still seems to me like very much, I really feel like a heavy East Asian presence all the time. Which I guess maybe I'm maybe more sensitive to just having spent, you know, so long just surrounded mainly by white people. It kind of struck me the lack of them here. And it's true, like, I don't honestly, like, just thinking about people that I see walking through buildings or on the street and that, they really are, like, mostly East Asian and rarely other races for some reason like obviously you see people of other races but that the amount of east asian people at least to me seems like really really like heavy like there are a ton of them and that was kind of weird for me when i came here because it was kind of like north york like my north york feelings but except it was like every day all the time and i don't know like at first like that was kind of disconcerting to me because i wasn't used to it i was used to kind of being the only East Asian or Chinese person in the room or in on the street or whatever and so it was really weird and then over time I feel like it kind of came to be sort of comforting in a way like now I know it sounds ridiculous because they're all strangers like I don't know the people walking down the street but I feel a sort of and it's probably misguided but almost like a, a level of camaraderie which is I'm sure they don't feel toward me, but I think just having grown up in that space of like, there are no other people who look like me or hardly any anyway, it just kind of, I got over the fact of like, of kind of being shocked by it and now kind of find it sort of comforting to have this, oh look, people who look like me, 
every day all around me I don't feel like I stand out anymore and it's not a good or bad thing and so I, I guess that's where kind of like the level of comfort that I derive from that sort of comes from mm-hmm. I think you get less attention yeah because there are more people like you and and even other races in Toronto they get used to a lot of East Asian East Asians being in Toronto so mm-hmm. you don't feel like you're the only one yeah you don't feel like kind of like yeah. othered in this like in in the city or on campus, at least for me. But within like that sort of large community of East Asian people and within that also large community of like Chinese students, you have like international students and then you have domestic students. Mm -hmm. And international students make up a really large part of it. And I don't think U of T tracks out of its domestic students anyway, what their races are. Mm -hmm. At least I couldn't find it. So what do you anyway, what, what, what do we perceive as kind of like the differences in being an international student versus being a domestic student who's Chinese? Like, is there a relationship between them? Like, cause like you were mentioning that you kind of connected more with like Chinese people and that. I don't know, but I've always kind of sensed anyway that the international Chinese students kind of stay within their friend groups that are very much like international Chinese students, which makes sense if, you know, you have like a language in common and aren't as comfortable with English or something like that, or variety of other reasons why that might be like more your thing. Like, what do you find with that? From my experience around U of T, I, I rarely interact with any international students, not just East Asian, but just any international students at all. And I don't think I'm saying anything new by assuming that we're pretty separate like east asian domestic students and east asian international students seem pretty separate from my perspective at least that being said when i like went (laughs) to study abroad over the summer basically all the people that i hung out with were international chinese students and that was a really cool experience because when i'm here in toronto i like don't talk to anyone outside of my own little bubble but like over there when i was abroad i just met so many new people and that made me realize that like I don't understand why it seems like we're so separate and maybe that's on me like it might just be my own personal experience that I'm not trying hard enough to meet new people but yeah in classes I notice that people don't sit together but that's like any group you don't sit with you don't sit with new people so it just seems kind of separate to me I agree with your last point so I think the reason why international students don't really hang out with domestic is because we have very different background and culture although we're all Chinese but it's the same reason. It's you, you see different races hanging out just in their own group. It's not just international versus domestic Chinese people. It's any race. People like to stick in their own comfort zone. Like it's easy because you say something and other people just automatically get the, uh, the, the context. And for me, I think I have like a balancing amount of international uh, friends, student friends and domestic uh, Chinese, domestic Canadian, I interact with the domestic people more only because when I'm at school, everyone that I interact with are domestic students. And I think, well, language is definitely one thing because if you'd rather communicate in Chinese, then that would be easier. But it's not that international students don't speak Chi- uh, English. It's because when they speak English, well, when I first got here, when I spoken, when I was speaking English, I just felt like I couldn't express myself clearly or I didn't feel like myself because Chinese um, language has a lot of 
Chinese is, I think it's unique in a way that when you speak, it also shows so much of your personality, how you joke around, how you talk, even like very detailed things. So I don't think it's international students are avoid, avoiding domestic or domestic are avoiding international. It's just that it doesn't come together that easily. But if you want to break your comfort zone, if you want to go out and explore and talk to many people, then it's definitely doable. And I have a lot of friends who are international students and they have a lot of domestic student friends. So, Yeah, I think a lot of the time because the population of Chinese students and East Asian students, East Asian students is so big, I feel like people who aren't East Asian anyway have a whole set of like stereotypes or assumptions that they make about anyone they see who is East Asian looking. And I don't know, like, I feel like sometimes people assume that East Asian people are Chinese off the bat. They assume that all international students are either East Asian or Chinese. When they say international student, they mean a very specific type, i.e. they mean Chinese people. One thing that I found that really bothers me, and this is actually really close to home because I actually saw, like it was like a couple days ago, a friend's group chat with their friends. And they essentially were making like crazy rich Asian jokes saying, you know, oh, I have like these nice cars or whatever. And they were like, oh, it's the international student. And someone replied to that saying crazy rich Asians, which has all kinds of implications in it already that A, international student equals Chinese slash East Asian, and that international student that is Chinese slash East Asian equals super duper rich with nice cars and all that. And yeah, that those people are on campus, but I feel like that sort of, they're, they're probably a very small population of the international Chinese students, international students in general, and Chinese students at the university slash other East Asian students, like they make up a probably a pretty small portion. And yet I perceive anyway that they're kind of like the face of like whenever someone thinks Chinese students at U of T, it's, it's like that sort of stereotypical image. Stereotypes are just stupid. Yeah. But it's a easier way for people to understand other people. It's just easier. Sometimes, you, you know, you, you do the same thing, but I mean, not you, but yeah. <laughs> like everyone does the same thing. It's always like you want to put people in a group so that you can start understanding them from that point. Mm-hmm. But stereotypes are definitely very annoying. I get like when I walk on the, I'm just like outside and people would, some really stupid people would come up to me and they will start saying like Japanese or Korean or like are you Chinese or like they would say ni hao and I'm like I'm not okay I can speak English and I'm in Toronto and like don't assume me to be a certain I don't know East Asian nationality and it's just for people to be that undereducated it's not good what about yeah. you Josie have you, have you ever had like any experience with stereotypes about Chinese people in any way at U of T strangely enough not really Mm -hmm. um and i think that speaks more to me being just oblivious to the world maybe (laughs) (laughs) maybe a bit too naive but honestly like i came here and i think i think i joked more about being chinese when i was in vancouver like my friends pretty insensitive but like we would just laugh about being like a fob or something like that like i come here people don't really have the same they don't have the same language 
over here. Like, the slang is different, um, which is something really tiny, but, like, I just don't feel that... Okay, coming to university, me, myself, personally, I reflect upon being Chinese more, but I don't think that's because of the environment I'm in. I think that's just people growing up. They just tend to talk about their lives more and be more introspective. But I don't feel that any pressure coming from Toronto to be Asian or, like, be a different kind of Asian or something like that. Mm -hmm. Not every single person that you run into has these stereotypes in their mind, but I feel like maybe people, especially people outside the university community who like there's this kind of myth of like rich international Chinese students at U of T and that's all they can kind of get in their head I haven't had like it to the point where someone comes up to me being like do you know where or like speaking like really (laughs) Really like slow English English. like I've I've luckily never had an experience like where someone's been that stupid Mm -hmm. but I actually have had experience like I've been walking through King's College Circle before and someone will come up to me and hold up their phone with like characters on them that I can't read and I'm like I'm sorry like I I don't know how to help you I think it was like you know sometimes you see like the Chinese tourists come I think it was one of them and I I was like I'm sorry miss like I don't know Mm -hmm. stuff like that has happened I think it just kind of speaks to a larger maybe I don't know people not immediately thinking of other people as like rich Mm -hmm. possibly like dynamic kind of human beings and just sort of seeing one thing but again like you said it's not good, but it, it in some way kind of does make sense, as nasty as it is. Mm-hmm. I actually have some experience about people having stereotypes that Chinese are really rich. I think, I mean, I also have that kind of stereotype, and it's, it's something that we joke about only in the Chinese group, I guess. If you see some kind of, like a really rich car or someone having really luxury brands, wearing brands, or, or I don't know, anything that's rich, I would think either it's a really old guy driving the car or it's a really young Chinese guy driving the car. It's something that I think everyone agrees. And it's a stereotype, but it's there's a reason behind it. It's because actually, if you see a, a really good car, it's probably either one of those groups. So... I think stereotypes come for a reason and there are people like that in in the Chinese community but it's not it doesn't represent everyone like I don't think I'm rich at all like I'm probably not even comfortable right now because you know trying to struggle through life but yeah yeah well obviously yeah it doesn't represent everyone and obviously Mm -hmm. there are people like that who exist Mm -hmm. and the problem just comes when people don't want to see the other people and kind of only see ah yes if you're Chinese you're whatever, whatever, whatever. It's kind of sad. I think a lot of people understand, at least in Toronto, it's better, I think, compared to a lot lot of other cities. Mm. I think Toronto is very multicultural and people are very open compared to other cities. I didn't have a lot of problems. I didn't feel like I was discriminated or anything. Mm -hmm. Stereotypes are fine as long as people are willing to get to know you after that. Mm -hmm. So... Josie had to step out, so Josie is gone now. Goodbye, Josie. I was wondering if we could maybe talk about like some of those ideas like surrounding international Chinese students, and you would kind of like, if you could explain sort of like the truth behind them. So, for example, what are the logistics like for an international Chinese student coming to U of T? This exam 
that I feel like is kind of like a legend among domestic students anyway, or of like of what international Chinese students need to do to come here. What what is that? What what is it? I like I feel okay. like we have an idea of what it is, but like what is it? Okay, first of all, I have to say that I can't speak to everyone, especially the people who have taken the exam because I didn't take the exam. Mm-hmm. I mentioned before I I was part of the Green Path program, so that was the one test that was created by U of T instead of the Chinese government. So that test was super easy. It was literally <laughs> just testing English, and it was easier than any English test I've, I've had in my high school English class. But to speak a little bit about um, Chinese entrance exam, it's to a lot of people it represent their youth. It represent a very valuable time that they spend with their friends trying to study for this test that may determine their the rest of their life. So it's something very significant and you study for 18 years for that one exam and you take that once. It feels like 90 even 95% of people Chinese people take that exam and just just once. But I do know people who take it twice or maybe more. But it's something that every Chinese go through. So it is very, it, it marks something. It's like a, how do you say that? Uh, it's a monumental. Mon- oh, okay. It's monumental, yes. And to get here, logistic is that for, I can't, I, I don't really know the details because I didn't apply through that way. But I think you take the exam and then you apply the same way that anyone applies here and then you pay the application fee. But most people don't apply their, the, to the school themselves. Mm. They get this, I don't know, agency that helps people to get into uh, Western schools in like the States or Australia, UK, Canada, most popular spots. Um, so they write your personal introduction or whatever essay you have to write for your application, um, but you have to take your own test. So I think for Canada, you can take ELTS or TOEFL. TOEFL, and then for U.S. you can only take TOEFL. I think that's how you pronounce it. I didn't take it, so I don't really know. Mm-hmm. But in general, I think the extra step for international students is that they have to take the English tests. And do you know? So you mentioned that they don't usually apply directly to the university themselves. There are like agencies that help. Mm-hmm. Do the stu- does the student still usually communicate like I would prefer U of T? And the agency aims for that, or is it just like the agency? Do you think more says like okay, like we'll just do our best, and this is where you get in, and so you're going there, and you don't have as much of a choice in it. Mm, again, I don't have experience, direct experience in this, so I don't want everyone to take my word for it. But mm-hmm. from my understanding, is that you go to this an agency, and obviously there are good and bad ones. I can talk about bad experiences from my other friend later. But you, t- you go to the agency and they basically communicate with you. They want to see where you want to go. Do you want to expand your choices? Do you only want to go to the States or anywhere as long as, it, as, as it's abroad? And then I think you can choose. You can, you can probably tell them that, oh, I have a priority for U of T or I have a priority for Ivy League. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they can try their best to do it. How is U of T regarded among students who are in China who are thinking about going abroad? One thing about Chinese people is that we care a lot about rankings and marks, numbers. So U of T is ranked, when I got here, I think it was ranked uh, 16 around the world. 
Um, and then throughout the years, it was always like top 20 at least. So people think U of T is really good, but most people just know Harvard, Cambridge, I don't know, Columbia, they know like Stanford, like all the good ones in, in the States and they, they know Oxford in, in the UK. Mm-hmm. But for people who are actually looking into going abroad, they would definitely know U of T, I'm pretty sure. Is there a sort of an idea that a Western education is better than one that's domestic or even just within like somewhere else just in East Asia? Uh, you mean like is Western better than East Asia or is it just better than Chinese or? Yeah, like both. Like is it regarded that way? I can speak for Chinese people. Uh, m- most Chinese people think that Western education is better than, than Chinese education because Chinese education is more um, oriented around how you can take the test and how you can make your marks better, how you can appear better on paper. But from my experience in, you know, go, going, going both through um, the Chinese system and the Canadian system, I realized that Western education focuses a lot on interests. And when you are young, you must have been through, like, discovering your interests. You must have done a lot, like, even... Uh, sports or maybe you started painting, uh, music, a lot of things. So you weren't focusing on how to know more. It's more about focusing on discovering what you like more. And then before high school, everything was relatively easy, obviously compared to Chinese um, education. When you're in university, that's when you're actually learning a lot of things based on interests. But in the Chinese system is that you work your way, your first 18 years, you're basically in school and you're not doing anything else because you have to focus on that one exam. So you have to learn very hard. And then when you get into university, it's sort of like you're slacking a little bit. For most universities, it's considered more chill than high school for sure. But obviously there are good universities in China as well and they are very hardworking. Also another thing is if you're in Western world or countries, you start working very early. Like, I don't know about you, but a lot of my friends who grew up here, they started working, like, when they were 14, 15, 16. But my first work experience was when I got here. So when I was in China, it was... No one works when they're underage. Like, unless they drop out from high school and... Or middle school, and they just start working to support themselves when they need the money to actually support the whole family. That's when they have to work. But most people don't work when they're going to school. Yeah, that's interesting because it's different here. I know someone who works in sort of university administration sort of job and they tell me how sometimes they'll get criticism for maybe, oh, why are you accepting so many students from China? Why are we not, why don't we have a quota for domestic students? Why aren't there more domestic students? And they'll say, you know, we take the best students and that a lot of the time, high school students, at least in Ontario, I don't know about the rest of Canada, aren't really prepared properly for what university is going to be. And so I've heard stories of how some places have had to dumb down, actually, their curriculum in university because the high school students, like domestically, they couldn't handle it. They weren't used to this workload. And it, yeah, it's definitely different. I would say like high school was by far less work for me anyway than university has been. And... I started working in, I think, grade 12, grade 11, so I would have been, yeah, like about 16, 17 maybe. And I think there's kind of like this culture anyway of 
you work like especially if you know that your your parents can't help you through school or something like that or even if your parents can't help you maybe they'll they'll want you to get a job I know a lot of like friends that have like their parents have been like just get a job even mm-hmm. though we can help you through university and there's sort of this idea that like when you're in high school anyway like you should have a job or something like a part-time job on the side to start up savings or save for university or whatever so it's kind of interesting to hear like that it's like it's the flip side in like in your yeah. situation yeah. yeah what was it like to move here when you were coming internationally like did you find it hard to rent a place for example this would sound like that I'm advertising for Green Path program. <laughs> but I had a lot of support when I when I first came here. We came with 200 other Chinese students and we had a community. And when we first got here, we were living in res uh, at UTSC. So everything was prepared for us. The only thing that we didn't have was like food in the fridge. But they take us to TNT like every second week or every other week. Uh, every week, actually. I can't remember exactly but everything was prepared for us and we had uh, people leading us through how you can prepare to get how do you navigate university life so I felt really prepared for university even I felt like I was at a advantage even compared to people who are Canadian and domestic when I first got off the plane they also came they, they had a bus and they took us from there so Generally, it was a really good experience uh, when I first got here. And renting was was okay because when you have a Chinese community, you basically have a lot of connections and you can ask for people. If, if In my situation, I moved downtown in second year and I had this friend that I met on WeChat. She is She's older than me and she has been living, she had been living uh, downtown for a while and she was looking for a new roommate. So she helped me a lot looking for an apartment and we eventually became roommates. So it wasn't very hard. The hardest thing is that when you have to move and I don't, I didn't have a lot of friends to help me move, moving. I didn't have a lot of stuff per se, but it was, it was so difficult. It was like emotionally difficult not having a support. Yeah, I have to share this really bad experience. Yeah. My <laughs> friend told me I went to LA and obviously he's not, he's not in Canada, but he is also an international student in the States and he said he had this agency arranged everything for him, which is supposed to be, to be good. But he got to his homestay and he inserted his key and that key broke in the lock and he couldn't get in. And then he was knocking on the door. Someone opened for him and that was his roommate. So he went in. He was like, where's my room? Uh, that roommate was like, this is your room, which is a living room. And there was only one bed. It was like a single bed and there was no mattress. It was just like a hardboard. So he slept on that for the night. He didn't have any food, which was supposed to be provided for him. He paid for all, everything. And like the whole experience was so bad. And I'm pretty sure this a lot of people went through this. So that was my bad experience for the agency thing. Mm-hmm. So there are good agencies and bad agencies. And, and there are people who, that was an extreme case. But there are people who came here and relatively everything was good, but they didn't have a community like I had. And they had to go through everything by themselves. And I'm pretty sure first year or second year, they're so young, you know, 18, 17 years old. They have to go through everything by themselves. They have to know how to get a phone card, how to rent, how to make more friends even, or how to integrate into Canadian society. So I'm pretty sure it was really hard for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
do you have an idea of like do you know if a lot of international chinese students struggle with english because assume like presumably you have to know english some capacity to be able to come here Mm -hmm. but do you know if there are a decent amount of them that struggle with that still because i imagine like all of that plus the fact that you're trying to correspond in you know your second language would be really really stressful yeah definitely a lot of Especially in the first year, a lot of my friends were struggling with English. It was very hard for them at the beginning, I think. But eventually, I think people pulled through. But there were people who didn't like finish university and they just went back to China. It mm-hmm. was not only a language thing. It was also how they feel like they're isolated yeah. and they can't connect with people. So, yeah. Do you find that you get homesick? Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> it wasn't a problem for me in the first three years because I was so excited because mm. I was the one who decided to come here. I was like, I imagine everything to be like High School Musical. <laughs> I love High School Musical. <laughs> I love it so much. I was so excited. I watched too many English movies. And I was hope- hoping that it was going to be like that. So the first three years was me exploring a Western society and, and I was too excited to be homesick. But then I started going back. I, I go back to China every year once at least. So I go back and every year my city looks different and my city is not even first year. So, you know, first year is Beijing, Shanghai, Guangzhou. But every year I see how it's developing so fast and like uh, living expenses is low and getting around is so easy. And now like if I go back, I can just go out with my phone. I don't have anything else. Everything is going through WeChat. So it's so convenient. And another thing is you have all your family members at home, at least for me. So I think I haven't spent Chinese New Year at home for like five, six years. And that's like you not being able to spend Christmas five, six years with families, not even just like not at home. Mm -hmm. And most of the time you only have friends, which is still pretty good, you know, because you have friends to support you. But friends are, are still different from family. So, yeah, I definitely do get homesick. Yeah, especially when I first come back from China to to Toronto, I get like, I have this low period for at least a week. Yeah, I that feeling mm-hmm. of like when you come back mm-hmm. from like a place that you'd rather be in some instances is just like mm-hmm. it's it can be so deflating, and yeah. plus all the other stuff that you have to worry about on top of that with school and everything. I couldn't even I really couldn't imagine being an international student. I think it would be so like I get a little bit homesick for my cats. I yeah I. I cannot imagine, like, how difficult that would be. I think for a lot of my friends, it was very difficult for them, especially when they first got here. It was just different for me. But eventually, I also felt the homesick, and yeah, it's pretty difficult, but eventually you get through it. Yeah. So It's like the depression that you that's associated with traveling. Like, you go somewhere, and then you come back, and, and like, it's just changing places, you know, and changing mm-hmm. from your normality. Thank you so much for coming on, Rosie. Thank, Thank you. For having me. Thank you, non-existent Josie, who <laughs> had to leave the room. I hope that while this probably doesn't even come close to covering the different experiences that Chinese students have at U of T, whether they're domestic or international, I hope that there's like a sense out of the conversation that there are some similarities and there are some differences and that people should try more to sort of see past the sort of like one vision of like Chinese students that they have at U of T and realize that 
a lot of people have very different dynamic sort of backgrounds and everyone is their own individual. I would love to hear from any international students who aren't Chinese, any East Asian students, any other Chinese students about what you think about what we said today. Do you agree slash disagree? What have your experiences been? You can email us at podcast at varsity.ca and tell us if we did anything wrong or if you agree or whatever your opinion might be. We got a response. Yeah. Email to us. So we received an email from Sarah about our episode last week. And Sarah was just talking about their experience being a Pakistani woman living in Canada. So I'm just going to like pick some certain parts from Sarah's email just because we don't have enough time to read it all on the air. Sarah's basically saying that overall, this like apart from a few instances of racism, that they've received a lot of respect from their peers and that they haven't really been the target of any open and harsh racism. So Sarah is a Trinity College student, which I'm gonna read verbatim here, which is majority white and back in the day had little to zero non-white students. Now it has around five to six Pakistanis, which is huge compared to what it used to be. Along with Pakistanis, South Asian groups such as Bengalis are even visible at the college. And I think that's a huge step as Trinity was known to be a college exclusive to white people. At the college, I'm being given the same opportunity as every other child to voice my opinions and participate. And this year, the Multicultural Society was introduced, which is the first society that focuses mainly on diversity and its importance in the college. And so it goes on to say essentially that overall, they're extremely grateful for being in Canada and that they haven't really been sort of, they haven't really felt a lot of what is termed culture shock, saying that having been raised in a country that went through years of colonization and studying in an English private school, they've adapted and learned about Western culture already. And so coming to U of T, I guess, wasn't really a huge culture shock for them. Yeah. What do you think, Alham? Yeah, I mean, I think that there's definitely two sides to each coin. So this is obviously Sarah's experience, which is great that they've had a positive experience. And I'm sure lots of people can say the same thing. I don't know about like the college system because I'm not a St. George student. So I don't know exactly what that environment would cause someone to feel like a very specific way because I don't personally think I'm part of many close-knit communities in university outside of just my circle of friends. Um, But I guess, yeah, I mean, culture shock can be experienced by like anyone being in a new environment, it can also not be experienced. So I don't know. I don't I don't have much to yeah. say. I think Sarah's taking a really optimistic sort of view being like, because we were talking last week about how being in these physical spaces anyway that have historically excluded so many people and sometimes still continue to do so can be kind of basically a downer. Like it can be kind of depressing. But what Sarah, I see anyway, is saying is that yes, there have been a few instances of racism that they've experienced, that yes, the college that they're in was historically very white and still isn't super diverse now, but that they're still essentially on the same level educationally as 
everyone around them and as all their peers, which is kind of like I see anyways, sort of a, a different approach to what we were saying. Because I, I feel like when we were talking about it, we were kind of focusing on the negative aspects of that. Mm-hmm. And what I see from Sarah anyway is more on the positive aspects that are still there. I think that it also makes me think about, I mean, I don't really talk with my dad about a lot of these types of things, like about like, oh, like being in new environments. Cause obviously my dad is an immigrant to Canada. He came here in like late eighties or something, but I know that he shares a lot of similar sentiments being that, you know, you're new to an entire country and you kind of have to like start up from the ground up, but he would also agree that he was given the same kinds of opportunities as people around him. It wasn't though he probably would change that now because of just living here and experiencing way more things. But yeah, I mean, it definitely, I think a lot of people can share that kind of sentiment. Would I say that I share it? Sure. But probably on the backs of people who don't see the same sort of experiences and opportunities given to them. So, yeah. yeah. There, there is light in the darkness. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's the moral of this episode. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) Bye. Okay. Bye. See you later.